You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I am your host, Keely Yor, joined alongside Shotgun Spratling. We are over a halfway through fall camp. And we thought we'd come back with another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. Shotgun, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, we, we gave you guys a little pre-fall camp episode. This is your mid-fall camp episode. And then, you know, we're going to get into games before too long. We're almost there. Wow, that's crazy. We're 17 days away, I believe. Wow. We're very close. That's TBS days away. Back when in my younger days, TBS was Channel 17. Oh. When the Braves <laughs> like, played I, and I, everybody in... I'm not getting this reference right oh, now. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Superstation, come on, TBS, all the Braves games. Yeah, no, trust me, my dad was a huge Braves fan. I know this, I just didn't know. For me, we don't have to get into what number TBS was. (laughs) Um, But uh, as a reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Audio Boom, everywhere you find podcasts, pretty much. Uh, Also, if you have questions, comments for us, you can email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. I want to thank. No one for emailing us. Except that is for not true. We got some emails. We got three spam emails Sweet. asking for money. So thank you to them for at least engaging with us. Uh, Nigerian princes love us. They do. They do indeed. <laughs> um, but before we get into our normal shenanigans of stock up, stock down and whatnot, uh, like I said, halfway through fall camp, what are you gathered from fall camp so far? Still a lot of competitions out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the quarterback competition is the one everybody wants to talk about, but I think there's some other positions that are still open. I think you're seeing uh, on the defensive side, on that defensive line, you're seeing you know some competitions where you're going to see maybe a little bit more rotation. I know that's something that hasn't been the case in the past, but I think that's something that we'll be looking at more and more as the season progresses, uh, is that they're going to use a couple more guys up there. I think there's some other spots in that defense where you're going to see similar things. Been a lot of injuries, so other guys getting some opportunities. I think it's been a fall camp of opportunities for guys that you know maybe wouldn't be getting those reps normally, but because of some injuries, they're getting those chances. I think some guys really stood out. We're going to talk about some of those guys, obviously, in our stock up, stock down sections and some of our other sections. But I think just overall, I mean, it's been a, a fairly good uh, fall camp so far. I, I think we've seen a lot of positives. I think there's been some concerns still, but I think they're on the right track right now. I think Clay Helton has made some adjustments to the fall camp that I think have been advantageous. Uh, so, but so far, I think it's been an overall just a very positive fall camp. How would you characterize good in your mind? What makes a good fall camp? I think that you're seeing a lot of competition. I think that it's not just their starters and, hey, this is the only guy that we have there. I think other guys are being are pushing up, and I think the guys that you're expecting some, some good things from have been really good so far. Now, the one concern, I think, is the injuries, and I think uh, that's going to be in my stock down, giving you guys a preview. Oh, wow, um, here we go. But I, I think that that's a little bit of a concern, but the thing is that none of them are – you know, very serious right now. We, we've got a couple of guys that are gonna, probably going to miss some time, but nothing that you haven't had any torn ACLs or anything where guys are just definitely out for the rest of the season. I think everyone has a chance to play this year so far, and hopefully it keeps it up that way, knock on wood, because we <laughs> always want guys to stay healthy and, and you know give their best out there. So I, I think that's positive, and I, I think that you're seeing those competition uh, in some of those positions where guys have been injured. I think that's a very positive thing, that guys are stepping up when they have an opportunity. Okay, well, I think we're bleeding into our first segment, a little bit too much so let's just get into it stock up stock down stock up who you got i'm gonna start with hunter eccles a guy that was kind of dismissed last year after having the injuries you know with the the hip you know he didn't have an opportunity to play at all 
I think he's come back and kind of jumped some guys that maybe got some playing time last year instead of him. Uh, I think he's you know getting some first team reps this week. I think he's been really good. You know, he had a uh, I think a sack in the uh, in the scrimmage on Saturday. I think he's looked really good coming off the edge. He's bigger. He's stronger. I think he's a guy that's really progressed from his. Uh, the end of his high school career to now his redshirt freshman fall camp. I think in a year and a half, he's taken some big steps. And I think he's a guy that could get some playing time this year, even when everybody gets healthy. How much does, I guess not help, but aid the younger guys when a guy like Porter Gustin comes out and a guy like Hunter Eccles can get more reps? Yeah, you've seen some guys move around when, when Porter Gustin, you know, he has the meniscus tear. He's going to be out two to four weeks from his surgery, which was about a week ago. So uh, who's going to kind of fill in that role? And you've seen several guys kind of get slotted in there. Now you've seen Christian Rector and initially start out there kind of like they did last year, playing that hybrid defensive end outside linebacker role. You've seen Kanaya Monga getting some opportunities out there. You've seen Hunter Eccles. You've seen Kanai also getting uh, some chances on the other side at the Sam spot because of Cameron Smith being out. And with Cameron Smith being out, you've moved Jordan Iasefa from the outside linebacker position to the middle linebacker position to kind of fill that void. And that's something that Clancy said they wanted to do with him at some point during fall camp. Didn't know that they were going to have an injury, but they've kind of used that to take advantage of it. And you've seen those younger guys get opportunities on the edge. And I think Hunter Eccles is probably the guy that's taken advantage of it the most, along with Kanai. I think Kanai's yeah. had a really good fall camp as well. We saw some, some glimpses of it in the spring, and I think always it helps when a guy can come in early and get that that spring camp uh, but I think he's done a really good job and you know I think he's a guy that's in line for if not starting time when everyone gets healthy I think he's a guy that's definitely in the rotation because he can get to the quarterback both those guys have had really good uh, good fall camps so far and I think they've earned themselves some some reps in the games once that time comes agreed um, I have a very obvious choice Mr. Amon Ra St. Brown um, all right. I think seeing PRPs we all kind of knew that he was pretty good uh, seeing him in last Saturday's scrimmage it definitely confirmed that he is a good wide receiver and uh Clay Heldon compared him to Robert Woods uh Heldon said in Wednesday's uh or Thursday's first scrimmage in the Coliseum he said it's it seemed like Amon Ra had been playing for 10 years in the Coliseum and that's some high praise for a true freshman um it's funny to me because I sometimes actually forget that he's a true freshman there is just an ease and a confidence that Amon Ra plays with most of the time that gives a a a feel like he's an older guy and he's been there for a couple of years. So he's someone's, I guess someone, someone on the Facebook live asked us is, would he be the third wide receiver? Yes, I think so. I mean, Valus Jones is competing for that as well, but I think Amon Ra is going to be that guy who it, at the very least towards the end of the season, you're going to see a lot of him. I think you're going to see a lot of him to begin I know, with. I'm, I'm just being generous here. <laughs> I mean, even if he doesn't start, if, if somehow that he winds up backing up Valus or somebody else, I think that his versatility, the fact that you can put him in there on the outside, the inside, yep. you can move him around. I think he just runs super crisp routes. He knows how to do all the little things that you look for on a wide receiver. I mean, his, his first big catch in the scrimmage was a you know, 45, 50-yard bomb uh, down the right sideline, and you know, the DB was right on him. He, you know, he didn't create a lot of separation with his route. However, he gave a little bit of a, a little bit of a forearm, just enough to, to create the right separation at the right time to be able to catch the ball. And there were referee right there looking at it, no flag. I think he knows how to do all those little small things that that can help him. And even though he's not the six four receiver on the outside, I think he just does everything right at that wide receiver position. He's been really fun to watch. I had on my stock up. I just had modern day, you know, the <laughs> modern day duo. Those two yep. guys coming in as freshmen. Now I can't say all modern day because 
You know, Solomon Tulipupu hasn't been able to uh, do too much so far with the foot injury. He still has been out for the entire time and kind of expect him to be out a couple more weeks, if not a little bit longer than that, unfortunately. Uh, and John Halak is kind of getting, getting lost in the mix in that defense secondary, even though it seems like he makes plays every time we see him. So out of the modern day guys, and not to mention Frank Martin, though Frank Martin's got some second team reps at left tackle. I thought he's, he's done a little bit better than he has in previous camps. So I think he's getting some opportunities. But that, that freshman duo from modern day, JT Daniels Ooh. and Amon Ra have been really good. Good. JT Daniels, you know, he's right there in the mix for the, the quarterback competition. I, I think that, you know, after the scrimmage, everybody wanted to, you know, anoint him automatically as the quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, he's the quarterback of the future for sure, but as a starting quarterback already. And I don't know that I'm ready to do that yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing a little bit slow on it. Me too. I was a little bit taken aback because I tweeted out like, hey, the connection between Alan Ross, St. Brown and JT Daniels is alive and well. And then I we all did the post-practice stuff and I went back on Twitter and I was like, everyone else blew up about JT Daniels and rightfully so it was a great practice but I'm not ready to like crown him the starter right now yet where I think it, some other people were I, is that weird that we're delayed in our crowning the thing is I don't think you need to what, what does it help you be yeah. first on this it doesn't matter now after this weekend if he has another scrimmage in the same type of thing I think he's looked the best in the scrimmage However, I think on my stock up, I also have Jack Sears because I think Jack Sears has taken his game to a completely different level to where it was in the spring. He has done a ton with his game. Now, he said he shortened up his motion a little bit, did some different things. I think he's reading the defense a little bit better. I think he has made a huge jump in his game since the spring. And I think he's right there because he's, he's – sorry. He also had a really good scrimmage. I thought that, you know, I think he went seven of nine, and I think he, you know, threw for a couple of touchdowns. Didn't have quite as good of a day as JT Daniels, but I thought he was really good as well. And I think he he had the best day on Monday, you know, when they came back from the scrimmage. I thought he was the best. The last couple of days haven't been a ton of reps for the quarterbacks, but I, I think that he's right there in that mix, and I think a lot will be figured out in these next two as Clay Helton likes to call them preseason games. Preseason games. And mock game week for you know the week leading into UNLV because they'll have a close scrimmage on that Saturday. This Saturday coming up, we're going to have another scrimmage that we'll get to watch. We'll see where they're at. And, and you know, I think the one thing that JT did differently and probably better than the other two quarterbacks was not taking the sacks on Saturday. Yep. Yeah. We'll see. I want to see what those two other quarterbacks, Matt Fink and Jack Sears, do this week in regards to getting rid of the ball when you have to. Uh, and you know, find a way out of the pocket to to make a throw to get rid of the ball or to find a check down instead of taking a sack this week. I think th- that was one of the distinguishing factors in that uh, scrimmage performance for JT Daniels. For me, as far as uh, Jack Sears, obviously he's much more confident and is playing different than what we saw in the spring. But yesterday, uh, on Wednesday's practice and on that Saturday scrimmage, the first throw that Jack Sears had was almost intercepted by Elijah Griffin. I know when talking to Dan Weber, he's like that for him kind of takes Jack Sears out of it. If you if first couple plays, you throw, you almost throw an interception or you throw an interception. You, you take that momentum away. Um, kind of like a, a Max Brown, uh, Alabama type situation where you kind of lose that momentum. Um, for him, that takes it away. I don't know if it necessarily takes Jack Sears away from me, but just to see how well JT Daniels thrives in game-like situations, uh, for me, definitely gives it more to him. You, Shotgun is looking like he wants to chime in so badly. Go, Shotgun. <laughs> you guys are talking about a throw that wouldn't have even counted in the game because there was a false start. The play didn't even count. First off, and he dropped I said Dan said this. Second of all, I said you. You said you guys, you. you guys. You guys. I didn't say this. Ewans. 
if you were from Pittsburgh. Uh, no, it's a throw that doesn't even count. I throw that one away. I mean, Jack Sears also threw a ball up deep that was knocked away, but there was a he got the defense to jump off sides on the play. I don't count that throw either. It, the, if it doesn't count in a game, it doesn't count. Now, maybe that helped him settle down. He threw one. He's like, all right, clear the fuzz out of my head. Let's go. And now it's and not. And I point. thought he was you, really good after that. Do you want that in a starting quarterback? Do you need that fuzz cleared? Or do you want the guy who's first pass that JT Daniels had was a bomb to Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, do you want, quote unquote, that guy? What right, happened, there's a lot of variables. What happened I know after I'm being devil's advocate here, but yes, go. What happened after the Jack Sears play? When was his next throw? Oh, it was a 75-plus yard touchdown to Josh Baby that was perfectly placed in his arms with good coverage on him. No, was it? That was the next play. That was his next pass? No. I believe so. I do not think so. What? That was That was the other way. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Same way. It was no. Yes, they were both going towards the peristyle because Elijah Griffin almost took one back to to the uh, towards the tunnel. Because the name is Family Feud, we're contractually obligated to argue in this podcast. <laughs> contractually obligated. No, but like we don't do this all the time, we'll anyways. Agree to disagree, but I don't know. You know, no, now between those two potential plays, uh, you know, there was a sequence, and that the false start was part of it. Um, was a sequence of five plays where the quarterbacks were sacked four times. Now the false start was in the middle of there. I think it was in between the two of the four sacks, and there was the false start. Then they ran the ball the next play, and then the next throw he made was to Josh Mortabebe for a bomb, bomb touchdown. I'm. Don't have time to look at my notes right now because I don't believe you, but we can move on. Come on, I'm right. Uh, I Who have else you got stock up? Stock up, I have Mr. J. Tufele. Ooh, good one. Yeah, he um, has been impressive. Clay Helton said that he highlighted him to the team. He's had, if not the best, one of the best uh, fall camps so far. I really think so, too. Um, as you noted in our pre-podcast, uh, uh, J. Tufele was one of the best guys you saw at the Army All-American Bowl. Um, and he's showing that now. I think that redshirt year helped him as far as development goes. Um, to me, he's a guy who's talented enough where, to me, I'm starting to think, how do you not put him in that at least initial rotation? I mean, the defensive, I also have the defensive line as a whole, just mm-hmm. because I think they've been performing really well, granted against USC's offensive line, and we'll get to that. But um, I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, I think the rotation that Clancy has kind of been putting together is interesting to see at practice. I think uh, you need that rotation because of how talented they are. Um, but JT Fele, back to my main point, I think he's done really well this fall camp. I think you need him um, as a prominent piece in your defensive line. Yeah, I would say he was, quote, unquote, one of my biggest disappointments last year. Just because I, you know, after that Army Bowl performance, when he's going up against one of the best offensive lines that's been uh, on uh, put together on one team in that that. Uh, that bowl game that he just kind of dominated guys inside and guys like Brett and Elon were talking about how good he was and that and different things. Uh, you know, they played, there was just a really good offensive line. And I thought that he would just come in immediately and make an impact, uh, you know, whether it was just, you know, playing, I, I basically thought what Brandon Peely ended up being last year is what he would have an opportunity to be interesting where he would kind of progress from the beginning of the season. They throw him in maybe mid season and get him some opportunities and he'd have a chance. I just thought he was really good. We're seeing that now. Now, sometimes, you know, as the, the clay Heltonism, you know, the light comes on for him, <laughs> you know, that comes on at different times and you see that. And I think this season he's come back and has been really good uh, this fall camp. And I think he has the opportunity to do what I thought he might do last year. I think that 
He's going to get in early in the season. He's going to be a part of that rotation like you talked about. I think there have been a lot of good guys on that defensive line that have performed really well this fall camp that have earned opportunities when the game when game time situations come around that you're going to get to rotate those guys a little bit more. You're not just going to have Josh Fatu and Rasheem Green playing you yeah. know, 85%, 90% of the plays. Yeah. I think you're going to – you're going to want to get guys opportunities and give them extra, you know, give them extra rest, get somebody else in there and just have people going at it constantly. And you're going to see that little bit of that Ohio state effect that that people keep talking about, you know, after you see what Ohio state was able to do with their, their different packages on the defensive line, their different uh, bodies and guys that can do different things. It gives that gives a offense that much more to prepare for when you have guys that that have different skill sets can do different things coming at you in the front in waves. And I think USC has an opportunity to do that this year. Indeed. I have you Keely Ross also on it. Interesting. Okay. Now Keely has only practiced once. He injured his hamstring in the second practice, has not uh, played since then. But I think his stock is up because I think he's missed nine practices, and yet no one's really solidified themselves yeah. in that safety spot opposite of Marvell Tell. Now, YK had a really good spring camp, thought he would come in and perform well. And the fact that you brought this up earlier is the fact that Clancy Pendergast has pulled him, Cameron Smith and Porter Gustin, three guys that are injured, has pulled them aside during special teams portions and had them working on d- different looks and different plays, getting some mental reps, even though they're not you know, physically healthy enough to be out there with the guys. They're getting some reps in- anyways. I think that the fact that he's pulling him over there and not some of the other guys, you know, yeah. Palaia Naitiote was you know, nearby, and they didn't ask him to come over. There's been some other guys that have been injured. They're not doing those type of things, just those three guys. I think his stock is up. I think he's the guy to beat still in that safety spot, even though he has not practiced for nine days. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of bleeding into my last one, but Caleb Trimley specifically is stock up. Um, in spring, he kind of made some noise during the one-on-one periods when the, the defensive lineman would go up against the offensive line. He's really stood out to me this fall camp. Uh, if you haven't yet, check out the video I posted of the offensive line going up against the defensive line uh, from before the scrimmage on Saturday. He just goes after it. Uh, I think someone commented, uh, Caleb Trimley is the only guy on this team who's not trying to be friends with the offensive line at the end of the day. Meaning, like, he's just so aggressive. He's he's quick at the point of the attack. He uh, sheds his blocker really well. Um, he threw Austin Jackson at one point down to the ground. I mean, he just has an aggressiveness that you don't see that style anywhere else on USC's defensive line at this point. He's just very aggressive, and I think it's something that USC needs. Here's a quote from... Uh, Kenechi Udeze, the defensive line coach, he's very twitchy, very twitchy. That's something we've acknowledged as a staff. He's definitely going to have a role. He's talked about him a little bit more, saying that you know he's taking a big jump from the spring. Mm-hmm. He talked about it. You know, they, guys can be overwhelmed. You know, he's a junior college guy, but he's still you know getting the opportunity just to kind of figure things out in the spring definitely helps guys. And you know, KU talked a little bit about that, but you said he, he said you can see the changes and you can see where you know something that they've worked on individually. You see that you know happen during a team setting, and then that's when it's like, oh, okay, this guy's got it. This guy's getting going. And I think Caleb has got to that point. He's got a really good swim move that he's been able to use on the offensive lineman. You know, he, he has an opportunity that he can be a guy that can rush the passer in, in certain situations. But I think he's also big enough to to be able to hold the line and hold the point of attack to uh, against running plays as well. So I'm curious to see how. How they use him, you know, if, if he says he's definitely going to have a role, what exactly is that role going to be? And he's another guy that there's several guys in the front of that defensive line that I think can do different things, and we'll see how they kind of use them all. It'd be fun. Yeah, we're also seeing 
different newish things from the defensive line. I tried to get Malik Dorn to kind of tell me what they're up to, and he said secrets, it's secrets. So <laughs> I can't. I he wouldn't tell me, but it's interesting to watch who they're who they're rotating in. Um, who else you got on stock up? My last one on stock up is Aka Cedric Ware. Yes. He's come back. He's 215 pounds. Uh, Clay Helton says he's in the best shape of his life. You know, he, he's shedding tackles at the second and third levels to create more explosive plays. You know, he's throwing guys off of him at times. And I think he's basically taking that next step in his game that Ronald Jones did last year. Maybe he had to see Rojo do it, his good friend, do it last year, and, you know, with a little bit of extra weight and the impact it had. He's come out and he's looked really good uh, in the kind of, kind of limited reps he's got. They're not using him too much just to, you know, I don't think they're using the, the starting running backs as much as they uh, as much as much they will in the games. Obviously, they're just getting, you know, guys, they're rotating a bunch of the guys. And I think Stephen Carr hasn't had a big fall camp. I think they're just making sure he's healthy and getting him back in the flow. And I don't think he's really broken off a bunch of big runs like maybe we saw in in the past so I think Aka Cedric Ware has kind of you know solidified himself as if not running back one then running back one one a with Stephen Carr I think both of those guys will obviously Stephen Carr I think by the end of the year will have more touches I just think he's the most talented guy if everyone's healthy I think he'll have the most touches but I think Aka Cedric Ware has really stated his case that he needs to be a guy that's getting 15 touches a game as well agreed Uh, a quick stock up Slash surprise for me, uh, Marquis Step. Uh, we couldn't really see much of him in PRPs just because it's not very, PRPs don't really help the running backs. You can't really see much because there's not a lot of tackling. Um, he's just a big body. He's a guy who who can drive. Um, he's the thunder, I guess, to the lightning. But uh, he's a, been a surprise for me. You know, I think all the running backs have looked good when they've had opportunities to get out. You know go against defenders one-on-one. There hasn't been a ton of, of rushing up the middle or you know inside the tackles, but once they've gotten outside, I think the running backs have done some really nice things. Aka Cedric Ware, I think, had a, a long run yesterday. They broke off going away from us. Maybe that was two days ago. Uh, but Marquis Stepp has been out a couple of days this week. Yeah. Got to get him healthy, get him back in there. But I think he's a guy that... that if he doesn't play much, he'll at least get to play in four games, taking advantage of that new redshirt rule. I think that there's a role for him there uh, to get some opportunities. I don't know if he'll have a full-time role, but again, we talked about it previously on, on the, the Facebook Live, is that running backs always get dinged up. Um, so it depends on your injuries at that position, whether or not he's needed much this season. Hopefully not, just because you want everybody to be healthy. Uh, but if needed, I think he can step in there and, and do perfectly fine. My final stock up, changes by the coaches. Um, they introduced crowd noise this week on Monday. I believe it is the earliest we've ever heard crowd noise, at least in my tenure. Um, Honestly, I don't think I've heard it previously in fall camp. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't, let alone fall camp, this early in fall camp. Um, and I think, like you said, fall uh, <laughs> no, crowd noise always helps. If you're going to get players used to a hostile environment and there's gonna be, they're going to be on the road three times in the first five games, why not do it now? I think that's a smart move. Um, I think physicality has been a big buzzword during Clay Hilton's tenure. I think he's made choices that help that. Um, I was genuinely surprised when in the beginning of fall camp, Hilton said that they're going to take away seven on seven for a bit just to have more team periods and to put more pressure on the quarterbacks. That's something that I didn't really, I wouldn't have expected from Hilton earlier, um, making those decisive calls. Um, so I think chicken or the egg, young quarterbacks has forced Helton's hand to make changes I don't know if Helton would have made that if there were young quarterbacks maybe he's just making it anyway but I think him being more aware of what they need to do to get these quarterbacks ready to get the full team ready I think has made positive changes um at at USC you really 
didn't want to, you shouldn't have to hire a coach that is learned that is going to need to learn on the job. And I think Clay Helton is really doing that. Was Clay Helton the right hire at the time? I don't necessarily think so because at USC, I think you should be able to get an established coach, but they have Clay Helton, and I think he's doing a really good job of continuing to progress as a coach yes. since he's been here. And I think he's done some really nice things. Now, can they get over that hump to where they can beat quality teams consistently and or at least compete with quality teams, whereas last year you know, they got blown out in a couple games against some, some really good teams? Uh, you've seen them be able to beat really good teams. They beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl. They beat Washington on the road. Now, let's see the consistency where you're in all those games. What, one thing that, that Clay Helton has done that I don't think gets enough credit for is they beat all the teams they're supposed to beat. They may not beat them by as much as people want, but what team have you been like, wow, they should, there's no way they should have lost that game. The only game that really they've lost to a team possibly inferior to them is the Washington State game, but that's also on the terrible, terrible, terrible Pac-12 scheduling where they got all three of their best teams. Injury bonanza. Yeah, that when you get you get injuries as well, but you also you, road game followed by a road game on a Friday. Terrible, terrible scheduling, which cost the Pac-12 multiple uh, national t- championship, national playoff contenders because of that stupid scheduling. Um, besides that, can you really look at it and say, you know, that they, they just lost it? It's not. There's no Oregon State's out there like it was yeah. with Pete Carroll. But that's the paradox of Clay Helton in his coaching tenure is that on paper he looks great, but our fans necessarily happy with him no ever happy yeah yeah, okay but what i'm saying is there's a certain percentage of the fan base who aren't happy with him and why because even though yes there's a w on the paper they should have been more dominant in certain games um whether or not that's just learn to be a fan and enjoy things i don't know (laughs) we talked about this previously yes Yes, we talked about this a lot but i'm just saying i that's the paradox that is clay helton yeah sure he hasn't lost games that he should have won but he should have won games that they won better. I think I might have messed that up. <laughs> Something like <laughs> but that. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, but the thing is, like, they're winning. And I think that maybe he is – what we hope is that he is progressing in his, his coaching ability and, you know, what he's learning from mistakes he's made in the past so that now you don't see those same type of games. So you blow out a, a team like Oregon State. You blow out a team, you know, that you have an opportunity to, like Arizona State. You don't let them, you know, get the Hail Mary at the end and kind of creep back into it a little bit. You, you just take those teams and you, you wipe them off the map. Like Arizona last year, they were able to come back in the second half with Khalil Tate. I, I think if we see that this year, I think that shows a sign of growth. You know, that's the thing you want from well, you want that from every player. You want that from every coach that they're constantly growing in, in their abilities. And, you know, I, I think that's something that we're seeing from Clay Helton. And, you know, it's a positive sign that they've made some changes this year, I think. And uh, we'll see how they those things work out when the when we get to the games. I think the overall theme is should have should USC have been in the situation where they have a coach? They hired a head coach. They hired a coach with no head coaching experience. No. But given the situation that we're in right now. Has Clay Hilton made progress to grow? Yes. And I think that's what we're seeing. What and can you do? We'll, we'll see even more this year, you know, when they get into the games and, you know, do they wipe wipe UNLV clean? That's what they should 30, 30 point at least, 35 point win is probably what he's expected. 42 7 is probably the least score that you should put up on that UNLV team from the little bit of research I've done on them. Similar, but Western Michigan last year, you let them stay in. Now Western Michigan was good the year before. Western Michigan lost a lot, so they shouldn't have been in that game. Um, so how do you, how does, he grow one season to the next. We'll see in the opener if they can go ahead and, and you know just blow out UNLV, get some of those young guys in, do the things that you want in that first game, uh, that pay me game that you that you're uh, getting from UNLV. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to get into stock down. Stock down. Who they got? 
We're excited about the fall. You know, that, uh, that's the thing. Yes. That's why there's more stock up. I got more stock up than stock down. I got okay, stock, that's good. We're stock not down, pessimistic I, yet. I got health. You know, health. A lot of a lot of nicks and bumps and bruises. Luckily, no serious injuries that uh, are keeping guys out for the season. No season-ending injuries at this point. Um, but a lot of guys have missed practice here, practice there. I think I've, I've got the count up to like 28 or 29 guys right now that have missed, you know, have been limited in a practice or have been out completely. Uh, obviously, at this point, it doesn't really matter. Now, in two weeks, it does matter, and hopefully you get those guys back. You have a couple of meniscus, meniscus tears in uh, Port Augustine and Palie Naitiote. They're going to take a couple of weeks uh, to come back from that. you got a guy like Aluwale Batiku who's probably going to be out for half the season with double hip surgery in the offseason. Solomon Tuliapupu still coming back slowly. I've got him also on my stock now just because we're excited to see what he could do. He had foot surgery, I believe, in December. Maybe, he made it sound like he January. was coming back, too. Yeah, he thought he was going to be back ready for, for fall camp, and that has not been the case. He's still slowly coming along. It's going to be a couple more weeks, it, it looks like. Uh, so just the overall health and just the fact that you – and granted, USC has a lot more depth this year, and it's shown. You've seen guys be, be able to get in there and get take advantage of those opportunities. But you would like to see your starters out there and practicing. You'd like to see Cameron Smith and Keely Ross, those guys, getting opportunities to, to kind of mesh with the rest of the group. Uh, they haven't had that. Um, so that's something that's a little bit stocked down right now, but I think that will be improved um, because I, I think that it, it, there's not those serious injuries. So I think you're, you're okay in that that spot. Yeah, I, in that same vein, I had Achille Ross on stock down just because uh, when you're out that long and you're trying to get chemistry uh, with Marvell Tell at that safety position, it's hard to be out. I mean, he is getting those mental reps, like you said earlier, but uh, it's not ideal situation for him specifically. Yeah, if you want to win a job, you need to be out on the field. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I also had a now. This is kind of my own fault, not Devin Williams' fault. I have stock William, <laughs> stock. I have Devin Williams on stock down just because I guess it's a regression to the mean. I was very excited about Devin Williams and PRPs, but uh, it turns out he is a freshman and that's allowed. Uh, so he's had some freshman mistakes in uh, fall camp so far. Um, we've seen a lot of him though, just because. Uh, Michael Pittman has been out. Randall Grimes has been limited at times. And Josh Imitor-Bebe had that ankle sprain. So uh, he's a freshman. He's allowed to be a freshman. So maybe this is a time for stock neutral. No, there's <laughs> yeah. no such thing. Wasn't even planning that. That was yeah, on the fly. Sure. sure. <laughs> it's true. There's no such thing as stock neutral. There'll just be nothing. Devin Williams, stock neutral. If a stock doesn't move, it's not neutral. It just doesn't move. It is neutral. No. Um, who else you got on stock down? I got Daniel Amorabebe. He's a guy that mm, yes. you know has been almost a year and a half since he's been uh, fully healthy. Really hoping he gets back out there soon. Uh, they're just slowly bringing him along. Clay Helton keeps referencing you know Adoree Jackson when Adoree Jackson came back from track, but that's not the same type of thing. To not me. at all. Yeah, I don't understand that. One of them is getting somebody back in shape. One of them is getting somebody back from an injury. So I think that nagged com- him a whole year. Yeah, it's completely different in my opinion. Uh, but you know he's done. Everything except for contact so far. So we've seen him running routes. We've seen him doing. We've even. I think he's done some one on one, but nothing where there's any contact. So I'm not sure where exact how far away he is. They're hoping to get him back soon. I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get to hurry it on the sidelines. Interesting. Um, but Da-da-da. you know, just we're just hoping for Daniel Mortabebe can get out there, get healthy, get get back to playing. Such a great guy, such a nice kid yeah. uh, that you really want to see him. He's one of those type of guys that you really root for. Daniel Mortabebe. That whole situation is a fool me once. Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, or whatever that saying mm-hmm. is, because y'all thought that he was going to start UNLV, and I, I still don't think he is. I 
Daniel Matabebe is out in my mind until I see him in full pads on a game field. You know what I'm saying? He's just uh, an anomaly in that sense. Well, the thing is, he came back last year. He came back at one, you know, early in the season. He played some, I think, against, uh, against Western Michigan and Texas, and then he was shut down until, I think, post-Notre Dame. So it's getting him back 100%. That's the thing. They want to get him back, and when they get him back, they want him to be able to go full bore so that there's not any concern uh, uh, still lingering for him. Okay, so for my final stock down, we have talked about this on multiple platforms, I think Instant Analysis and our Facebook Live, USC's offensive line, just because I'm not sure if I've seen improvement from the quote-unquote wake-up call that Ohio State was. Um, I just, I'm not sure if, the, if there's still communication errors. I talked to Elijah Vera Tucker, who said that there's still communication errors on the line, and they're trying to hash that out at this point. Um, but so far, I'm a little skeptical um, about USC's offensive line. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in Stock Up, USC's defensive line has looked really good against them. Um, granted, in the scrimmage, they, they settled down a little bit after, I believe, three sacks in the first six plays. So... I just, to me, I'm skeptical about USC's offensive line. I'm not as concerned yet. Now, I think if 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 USC wasn't coming off that Ohio State, you know, debacle as far as blocking up front, I don't think this would be such a big topic right now. I, I think the offensive line usually at the beginning of fall camp struggles a little bit. You know, there's a me- some meshing that has to go on. I think with moving Toa back to center, I think you, you're basically starting a new guy at center. You know, he had some snapping issues the first couple of days in pads. We haven't seen that the last few days. I think that's been corrected. You know, I talked to Chuma Adoga last week. He said, you know, the, dealing with the communication issues, they said they were in the classroom a lot during the summer. He said that's what uh, Clay Helton actually is really stressing, that you've got to be masters of your craft. So they've been in the film room, been in the classroom they've been studying a lot as far as in the summer now I think part of the issue with the offensive line is that you kind of been mixing and matching a lot right now I mean Chuma Adoga was out uh for almost you know half a week a little bit close to a week uh you've had this week you've had Clayton Bradley and Austin Jackson both out Austin Jackson got injured in the scrimmage I think it was so he's yes. been out uh this entire week he's st- he's limited now they're getting him back into it a little bit uh, you also had Andrew Voorhees had a flare-up with his knee, so he's been out. So that's potentially four starters right there that have been out. Um, so I think that once they get everybody healthy, I think it'll be a little bit better. I think they're still, you know, you're seeing those young guys. The guys that are getting thrown in there, Elijah Vera Tucker, that's a you know a second-year guy. So those guys may have some communication issues that you wouldn't have with some of the older guys maybe. Uh, I think that once they get that solidified, I think they'll be okay. I think choosing a, a left tackle is going to be – Something I'm curious to see when they make that decision. Are they still going to try to rotate those guys once the season starts? You saw that when uh, Toa Lomondon went down in the Washington State game, those guys rotated series. Are we still going to see that at the beginning? Are they going to pick one? How does that play out? Uh, you've seen some of the younger guys kind of step up. Jalen McKenzie has been noted by a couple of the coaches. You know, he was a blue shirt guy coming in, was kind of the last guy in the class, and they thought he had potential. He was coming off a knee injury in high school, so didn't play uh, his junior year, I believe. Uh, so I think that that group is progressing. I think it'll be even better this Saturday at the scrimmage. If it's not, then I get more concerned. You know, was it good last week? No. Do do I think it was the quarterbacks as well? I know that's what Clay Helton and T. Martin and uh, and Brian Ellis all said. It's all oh, the quarterbacks got to get rid of the ball. I think it's partly that. I, I think that you know if there were nine sacks, I think three or four of those should be on the quarterbacks. I think that it's a group that is still growing. I think that, you know, as a veteran group, they have to be good. 
So this Saturday is going to be a lot in determining where I think that group is at for me. I think at the halfway point, a little bit over halfway into camp, I think now is, now is when you start need to see them gel and you see need to see them play a little bit better. Yeah, well, as far as gelling, I know Neil Calloway is big on the whole five playing as one theory. Um, and you can't really do that when you have three guys out like they did on Wednesday. So I guess, like you said, I should l- have a little bit of patience, but I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, that's all I have for Sock Down. I got one more. I've got the number of QB reps. That's been down mm, the last yeah. couple of days. I mean, they, they've really focused on the runs. Uh, the running game and, and you know that offensive line play as well uh, the last couple of days. But you had a full patch scrimmage two days ago on Tuesday. Is correct? Am I getting my days correct? Tuesday. That's yes, correct. Competition so, Tuesday. And your quarterbacks in competitive periods threw seven passes. I don't think Jack Sears threw one of them, and he's one of your your probably your two top contenders right now at the QB position. How does some you know one of your QBs not throw any passes in competitive period? Um, if you if you've got a true quarterback competition, maybe that's telling us a little bit about the quarterback competition. That maybe there's a decision that's been made a little bit, or maybe we're seeing all these runs this week leading up. They're going to air it out in the scrimmage. I don't know exactly, but the number of QB reps overall has just been down the last couple of days. So that's the stock down. Yeah, I would agree. You want you want as many reps as possible for those guys, and and the rotation is weird to me in that sense. Where I know one practice, I think JT Daniels got no snaps and then or reps at throwing and like you said jack sears and then we all were reading into it and and helton was like no no that's just the three-man rotation well that's not a really great rotation if one of your guys is barely getting any reps so i think that needs to get figured out asap rocky we'll see heard it on the sideline what do you got uh i'm gonna go to tyler petite actually uh so talked to tyler petite yesterday and this is why i'm not so concerned about the injuries uh tyler petite told me that you know it's just the nature of the beast. And the coaches are really, you know, really focused on making sure that guys aren't, you know, having nagging injuries carrying into the season. So he wants that come game time, they're all ready. And that's pretty much the case right now. It looks like from the outside looking in, besides the couple guys we mentioned before with the meniscus injuries and then Solomon Tuli Pupu and, uh, um, Batiku, those two guys looks like they're going to carry on a little bit longer. But besides those four guys, it seems like everybody else will be healthy. Doesn't seem like there's any serious injuries there, which is the hope. Um, so they said that they're kind of trusting the coaching staff. The coaching staff, obviously, all of them have played before, so they know how to kind of prep them, I think. Um, so that was interesting to hear from him that he's not really concerned about the injuries, even at the tight end position where he left yesterday's practice at, right at the end, you know, had some ice on his back and left Josh Follow as the only tight end. So I, I think that if he's not concerned, even though they only had one healthy tight end at the end of practice, then I don't think we should make too much of it just yet. And then also I, I you know, talked to him about, asked him about Daniel Amorabebe. How is he progressing? He said, you know, he looks great. And he said he tries not to ask him about it too much just because he knows how bummed out that Daniel Baby is that he's not out there with him practicing full speed and full uh, participation right now. He said, but from what I hear and the little things that he's told me, it's coming along. But like I said, we're just trying to take it a little bit slower just to make sure when he does come back that he's going to be back from good. There aren't going to be any hiccups or anything like that. So that's what Tyler Petit said about it. So that's a very positive thing on the Daniel Mortabebe side. We're really hoping, like I said before, try to get him back out there just because you know we'd love to see him play. And he's, he's a difference maker at the tight end position because he can do a little bit different things than some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. I have a moment that happened yesterday on Wednesday's practice. Uh, there was an errant punt during the special teams practice, and it came towards the reporter area. And uh, one of the reporters caught it. It was a nice catch. And uh, I think Brandon Peely and, and Christian Rector, some other guys were like, oh, that's worth a scholarship. Give that man <laughs> some tuition. It was just funny. They, they 
congratulated him in a funny manner about catching a ball pretty well. If that was the case, I would have run over there and jumped over somebody to make a catch. <laughs> can I get somebody will pay off my student debt. Retroactive yeah. tuition, please. If somebody can pay off my student debt. That'll work. <laughs> Uh, another heard on the sidelines I've got is is kind of just the comments about Amon Ra St. Brown. Mm. Uh, so you know, everybody's kind of talked about him. The quarterbacks have talked about him. The coaching staff, but you know, different words have been used. Very advanced, impressive. T. Martin called him unbelievable. You know, those are kind of the normal words that are being thrown out about him right now. And then you know, Clay Helton after you know was asked about it after his really strong scrimmage performance that he had, where he had you know probably he had three touchdowns. He probably had five, or, I think it was five or six catches, and then. He, uh, I think he had somewhere between 160, 180 yards is what Gerard figured out. And Clay Houghton goes, was asked about him. He said, oh, mercy. Yeah. <laughs> what a day he had today. Uh, so that's, you know, just listening to what everybody's talking about him. You know, Jack Sears said it's been a lot of fun to watch him play. He said he's a great competitor. He's a quick learner. He's a hard worker. That's something you're hearing from everybody, how hard of a worker he is. And he said, I think everyone knows when someone is kind of picking it up faster than others. So you see that he's already ahead of the curve there. And then, you know, T. Martin, probably with, with the quote of the week about him, said he's faster than advertised, stronger than advertised, and he's just the total package. You know, they've compared him to Robert Woods, and they've compared him to some other guys. I think he's a little bit different than all those guys. I think he's just that much more advanced than any receiver I've seen coming out of high school. I think he's the best I've seen coming out of high school. Um, and I think he's going to have a really good year. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it's hard to believe that he's a true freshman. He just it's, He's too comfortable to be a true freshman. It's interesting. Super competitive too. Love the competitive nature. He's already yeah. gotten a couple of uh, tiffs with uh, defensive backs where they've gone toe to toe. He hasn't gotten to the full out brawl yet. I don't He's believe. He's shown unreal restraint because I remember one like little scruff. Bubba Bolden smacked the ball out of his hands, and oh, if, yeah. if I was on one raw, I would have been like, "What did you just do?" <laughs> but he just stood there and like stared him down, and I was like, "Okay, that's restraint right there." <laughs> I know people freaked out on our message boards because he spins the ball in the uh, in the Army All American Bowl. He throws it up into the crowd to the to the uh, armed vet the military veterans that are there, the the armed forces people, they're in attendance. I think he was just playing to the crowd there. You've seen him spin the ball a couple of times in, in practice and stuff too. I don't think that'll be an issue in the game. So unless you know, it's- no, he he shows he shows a maturity. He's not running his mouth. He's not doing anything that if I were that good as a freshman coming into USC, I think I'd be a little bit more mouthy. But he's definitely not. Yeah, that's the thing. Like as much as he is kind of sh- he showboats with the, the ball spin and stuff like that and he's not afraid to get in the face with anybody you don't really hear him talk much he's not he's not a guy he just lets his play talk and his plays really good his play talks a lot of smack yeah and at the end of the day we were saying this last year that usc needs a player like that needs a little bit of fire a little spiciness and so he brings the spice <laughs> Ooh, caliente uh i have EA and Port Augustine throwing the football back and forth yesterday. They're the little meniscus men. Uh, <laughs> they both uh, had the same slight meniscus tear, so they're both walking around pretty well at practice, kind of just being patient, waiting for their time to come, but they're both pretty active, and it's just funny watching them kind of walk around practice, throw the ball around, being a little duo. So Trying to throw knuckleballs to each other. I know. It was weird how football. they were throwing it. Trying not to like twist their, their oh, they knee were, too much. They were trying to throw knuckleballs to make the other person drop it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Did you not see the ball? Chris, Chris and I were trying to it? figure out what they were doing, and we couldn't figure it out. Yeah, come on, guys. We need uh, but shot, you also shotgun see, D1 in the, in the house. <laughs> yeah, you also have uh, Port Augustine playing quarterback for the DBs after practice, throwing deep balls and stuff for them yeah. to try to catch. He's got a cannon on his arm. like So it looks like he will be back in the two- to four-week time period, I think. You don't see any limping, anything like that. So it's just getting that healed up and making sure that he can cut and do different things uh, when it comes back to that. Will he make it back to the UNLV game? 
I don't know. Do you need him back for that game? I don't think you do. I think given last season, you try and have him wait as much as you if can you make do get him back, wait. If you do bring him back for that game, you put him on a play count and you actually follow the play count. Unlike Arizona last year. There was a massive eye roll that you can't see from me right now. <laughs> yes, agreed. Very yeah, much Yeah, I mean, it would be good to get him back in UNLV just so you can get that contact, you can get that first, you know, the first tackling and that stuff out of the way. It, even if it's 10 plays or 15 plays, but just do that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Then, then have him ready for the Stanford game, have him ready for the Texas game instead of having lingering uh, issues like he did last year. Do you have another hurt it? My final one is uh, Ronnie Bradford and Dave Campo. I think it's an interesting combo. Uh, Dave Campo was the former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I believe he gave uh, uh, Clancy Pendergrass his first job in the NFL. He was a, he was he was a head coach. Yeah, he was a head coach, right? I don't think he was. I guess I <laughs> we got a nod from Ryan Abraham. Um, and uh, yeah, he mentored Clancy Pendergrass. So it's interesting seeing Dave on the sideline. He's doing a lot with Ronnie Bradford. Um, he's officially a consultant. Um, he's pushing it a little bit just because he's coaching a little bit. Um, some of the younger guys during off plays. Um, but just seeing those two interact, seeing how Ronnie Bradford um, is stepped up his coaching game. I remember I told I said this during instant analysis, but I thought it was interesting. Um, ITS kind of had a, a false start during a, a play and kind of jogged it out, and they were supposed to be high pointing the ball, and he just let the ball fall. And Ronnie Bradford said he was basically get that cool out of your system. Basically, ITS was too cool for school. Didn't really, just because he messed up in the beginning, he didn't finish the route and or the, the play. And Ronnie was like, if you're going to be on this field, you better do it all the way. Like, either don't be here and, and half-butt it, basically, <laughs> censored, or do it all. So it was interesting seeing Ronnie Bradford actually put the hammer down, which I don't think we've seen before. So I approve of it. I approve. It was a weak mental rep from uh, ITS in that one. Agreed. Something um, you got to learn from as a freshman. Yeah, but freshmen do freshman things. and It's true, unless they're on Monroe. True. True that. Um, agree, disagree. Shall we get into it and wrap this episode it. off? Uh, Helton should narrow down the quarterback competition to at least two quarterbacks by Tuesday. I think so. Agree with this because you want to be able to get more reps for the guys who are with the first string team and the second string team instead of this rotation where – um, rotation's fine and everything, but then when you have guys not getting any passing reps in competitive periods, you, you can't live with that. That that doesn't help you determine who the the starting quarterback should be. Agreed. That if if I will probably be a little angry if there's not down to two by Tuesday. You need to ha- you need to get the show going. You need to have build up chemistry with wide receivers. You need to get that at least two. By Tuesday. Now I'm really hoping that they don't make that decision just to see angry Keely. <laughs> I don't know Tuesday. what that would even translate to, but it would just frustrate me because you need to narrow that if down. If you turn green, um, I will know. Hulk Keely. Keely smash. <laughs> it's like Hulk smash, but mini. Mini Zach Banner. <laughs> uh, agree, disagree. USC's defensive line could be better than last year's. Ooh, that's tough because they did lead the nation in sacks last year. I think I would agree with this mm. because I think there's going to be more depth there, there, more rotation potentially. Um, and maybe if the defense line is better this year, then maybe some of those sacks come from non-blitz plays and you can replace some of those. Then I think that makes you better in the back end if you don't have to blitz as much, but you can still be ultra aggressive with those front four, front six. Um, I, I think that I think that, that's an agree. I think it's going to be better. Interesting. Okay. Though it, it's, it's going to be tough because you lose Uchenna Nwosu mm-hmm. and Rasheem Green. Yep. Not to mention Josh Fatu as a senior there. Yep. 
it's tough, but I think there's more depth. I don't know if the depth is quite as quality as those three guys were at the top end. So quality that'll be the question. Quality, a little bit. A little bit. Um, nine and three is a reasonable expectation for USC fans. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that um, to an extent. I think the I think I said the <laughs> the uh, the floor is eight and four. I believe I didn't think that they were they would lose more than four games, or maybe eight and five with the bowl game. I think I said it was the floor. I, I think that nine and three is highly reasonable. I think that ten and two is logical. If they do better than that, and you're excited, I think nine and three to ten and two is kind of where this team is to start the season. And then it depends a lot on that offensive line slash quarterback play. How those guys develop and mature together will determine whether nine and three is oh good thing we went nine and three, or it's like oh it's so disappointing that we went nine and three. Yeah. Though I know most fans on our boards nine and three is is an oh what happened this year? Oh, Why? Why? There you have it, shotgun. Sad fan impression. I, as I said in the Facebook Live last week, I think nine and three is a reasonable expectation when you have a young quarterback. I mean, impromptu, agree, disagree. Does September dictate USC's season? Definitely. I've already said this several times. <laughs> this is not an agree. This is completely wholeheartedly agree that if they go five and zero, oh, national championship contender. But I think it's more likely to be three and two than five and zero. Oh. Yeah. Could easily go four and one, and they're still in the playoff hunt. Also, but it's going to be really tough with the teams you have to go on the road to play at Stanford, at Texas. Come back on a short week, you play Washington State, which is a completely different offense. So it could give them some trouble there. And then you go on the road to Arizona, and you have running quarterback Khalil Tate. It's just the different offenses that they have to prepare for. I think it is where that they could have some trouble with that situation, that group, and. You know, I think that Washington State home game could be similar to that awful 13-9 Washington State game where it's like there's no way they should lose to this team, but stuff's just not going right in this game. It's not going right. And I think that's because you have a short week and a, and a team that's completely different than the other teams you face, that something like that could happen. Like I said before, there is a loss in September that is just in part due to exhaustion. There has to be. I don't think towards exhaustion. but Yes, I think so. No, there was losses last year due to exhaustion when you play 12 in a row. Well, yes. No. There's also a light at the end of the tunnel because they get a, a bye week Once right after Once you make that. it past September, essentially, you can kind of coast a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Going to at Utah, Utah. At Utah. Two straight years they haven't, haven't beat Utah, I believe. Two state trips. Trip. Yes, yeah. thank you. That's what I meant. But then um, you have Notre Dame at home and you have UCLA at the end that UCLA is gonna, obviously going to progress as the season goes along, I think. That's not how they UCLA usually the trends – I think when you have a first-year head coach, you usually progress as the season goes along. And I think DTR is probably going to be Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It will probably be the quarterback by the end of the year. I think he's a much better quarterback than the other two options. So I think they'll be better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. Agree, disagree. Helton uh, manages the hype with Amon Ross St. Brown and JT Daniels differently. He's already doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Is this a question for the future, or is this a question thus, now? Thus, agree, dis- do you agree or disagree with that hype management? Oh, do I agree that he should be doing it that yes. way? Mm. You know, I know why he's doing it, because one's it a quarterback sense. competition, and one's a wide receiver, so you can have multiple wide receivers on there. So I understand he's doing it. Why do I agree with it? Because will it, will it huh. feel disingenuous if say JT Daniels is named the starting quarterback, suddenly he's so good, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if Helton will do this, but does it feel a little disingenuous when you're trying to t- tamper down the hype a little bit? 
Yeah, it does. When you when you say something, if he changes tune, now if he says the same thing after they, you know, JT has a really good scrimmage now, and he, he has really good week leading up, and he gets named the starter, and he's like, let's, he still tries to temper expectation. I think that would be correct because quarterbacks can look really good in practice, look completely different when they they're facing a different defense and you know, having to prepare a week by week on a defense versus. Hey, he's got better during fall camp. He looked really good at the end of fall camp because he now knows the defense pretty well. And he's played them for you know the summer and then also for five, four weeks uh, leading up to the first game. So I think they're, they he should temper quarterbacks a little bit more than than receivers because receiver is you're you're going one on one. It's a little bit different versus quarterback. You're trying to read the whole defense, do all that type of stuff. So I see why he's doing it. I don't know that I would necessarily agree with it. The way he's doing it, I would still give JT his props, but I would also have done the same thing and said that Jack Sears looks so good in this uh, scrimmage as well. Uh, so I don't know why he quite tempered it so much. I mean, I guess I understand why. I wouldn't have done the same thing, though. Does that no. make sense? Well, I guess so. What would you have done? I would have given him his hype, too. He looked really great today. But again, and he did. He did kind of say what I would say. Is like he looked really. <laughs> I would have been more excited about him being really good, but I still would have tempered. Hey, look, hey, he was great. It's fantastic. Wow, love it when it, see see a freshman quarterback throw four touchdowns. Wow, that's great. Impressive, impressive first one. It let's see if he do, let's Ooh, see if he mercy. does it next week. Let's see if he does it. You know, this week coming up in practice. I think that's how I would have I would have addressed it. He was a little bit more laid back and tempered than that. And he just said, he started with, I think, hey, let's remember that it's only it's practice so and so, blah, blah, blah. I would have been excited about it. I mean, I was excited about it. I am excited about it. It was a nice performance. Let's see if he does it again this week. I guess what I'm saying is, do you, do you think that he's trying to counterbalance? Maybe the media goes too hype. So if he's a little bit too lax, it's happy medium. Do you remember how excited the media got when Dylan Baxter had a really good game? I mean, a really good fall practice. Oh my God, Dylan Baxter could be the next great running back. Well, Dylan Baxter didn't do crap. I think you have to temper expectations when a freshman pops out and has a really good day. You say, you know what? He had a really good day today. Is it going to happen all season? We'll see. But that's my point. He's not doing that with Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, Amon Ross St. Brown is a different cat. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man a is cat. He's a beast. And I think Stephen Carr is a great running back. Remember, Stephen Carr was really good the first couple weeks of the season, and then he just kind of tapered off and didn't really do too much. Uh, later in the year, and he had some injury issues as well. But I think that's a normal progression for freshmen. They'll, they'll pop out a couple games. Brandon Peely looked really good in a couple games, but he looked kind of lost in, in some others. I think that's normal for freshman progression. I think the difference with Amon Ra is that he's not a normal freshman. Agreed. Agreed. He's the best wide receiver I've seen coming out of high school. You have said this, and I agree. The best. <laughs> the best. Uh, yes. So, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? I mean, after talking for the last two hours about football, I'm hyped up for for I'm this this up. Saturday scrimmage. I want to see. Yeah, if we could fast forward, because Helton said that Thursday and, and Friday they're going to taper it down, which means it's not going to be as exciting. Yeah, they're going to miss shells today. They're going to walk nope. through tomorrow yeah. and do nothing. Uh, <laughs> so shouldn't even count. Like I don't even count the the walkthrough last week and the walkthrough they're going to have this week. I don't even count those on they my, don't have my charts. If you don't have helmets. It's not really a competitive practice, so it's just going through things. So I don't, I don't count those. They've been doing some walkthroughs and stuff in the mornings too. You know, they're they're getting their quote two a days in in that regard. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about the season just because football is back, and I'm excited to see because there's a lot of question marks about this team. Yes, that it's fun to see how the season progresses, just to see who you know 
who continues to play well and, and who kind of tapers off a little bit. You know, I'm looking at that safety position. Who's going to take that spot? I'm looking at the linebacker spots. There's so many linebackers. Who's going to get some opportunities there? Is Levi Jones going to get some more opportunities? Where do you put ISFA? You know he's going to be in the lineup. Clancy already said, you know, he's going to play at one of the four linebacker spots. I don't know which one, but one of them. Uh, you know, how can you get, you know, can you get those guys healthy and get them back out there? And the modern day connection, obviously, those two guys. And how do those other quarterbacks kind of learn how to use Amon Ra? Because, you know, you saw JT Daniels had some success. I mean, uh, JT Daniels had obviously success throwing Amon Ra, but so did Jack Sears in the scrimmage. When he threw to him, it worked out well for him, too. That's a, another guy like Tyler Vaughns that you want to get the ball to. Lo- looking to see those guys get healthy, too, and, and see, you know, if everyone is ready for opening weekend. And that's what you hope for. Indeed. Alrighty, we've been talking too much. Whew, I'm out of breath. Out of breath. Okay, let's wrap it up. Uh, that will be it for today's episode. Uh, we will see you at some point. We're trying to figure out a schedule before we get into the real season. So Once we get in the season, we're for sure going to see you guys every week. Every week. You can download the Family Feud podcast. Also, send us some questions. I mean, Please, we love Nigerian Prince <laughs> spam emails, but we would also love to see your guys' questions. Uh, FamilyFeudPod at gmail.com. Hit us up. Yeah, and we'll add another segment for questions. Um, but that will wrap it up. That's Shotgun Spratling. I'm Keely Orr. I almost said for more, check out uscfootball.com. But you can do that, too. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys. It's ingrained. It really is. It's just I'm a robot at this point. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.